0: Stand with us, we're going to declare the promises and the praises of God this morning.
1: It can't change what you said, it can't change what you said, no.
0: James chapter one, starting with verse 23 says, don't fool yourself into thinking that you are a listener when you are anything but letting the word go in one ear and out the other, act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are, what they look like. But whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life, even out of the corner of his eye and sticks with it is no distracted scatterbrain, but a man or woman of action. That person will find delight and affirmation in the action. This morning, let's not just be hearers of the promises of God, but let's declare, despite what our emotions say, despite what we've maybe experienced in the past, let's declare the promises of God and move into action this morning and throughout the rest of the week.
1: fall short, I've got nothing new, how could I express all my gratitude, I could sing these songs, as I often do. Every song I stay And you never
2: Supernatural ability to uh, learn your word this morning, Lord. Lord, don't let us be like what it uh, mentioned in James earlier, where we walk away not hearing, not changing, Lord. We invite your spirit in to help change us, Lord. In your name we pray. Hello, Manitou. I am Matt Estes, the Global Outreach Director here at New Life Church. Uh, The giving information is up here on the screens if you need that. But I am actually here to share a little bit of kind of a praise moment for us as a church and in our global outreach efforts. We partner with a missionary named Kenneth, and I wanted to share a little bit story about sort of one of his successes recently. Did anybody here get to meet Kenneth when he was here? He actually spent some time with Joe and Erica. A few of you did? Good. Um, So uh, Kenneth was actually telling me that in his area of the world, uh, the Muslim strategy for um, outreach is actually they they sort of pay people to convert. Uh, They give uh, young men an interest-free loan to start businesses, um, but it comes with strings attached. You have to convert and you have to bring like two or three other people with you. Um, Kenneth found out that due to their ministry's efforts of trying to help people through biblical principles, find their way out of uh, poverty, um, that the Muslim community has actually decided to stop that program in his area, um, in a large area, um, because they basically found out that it was not a very good return on investment. Um, they made such a splash, so to speak, that the local mosque actually asked Kenneth to come and teach them about like the principles that he's uh, teaching. And he knew from a friend, he was told that um, don't preach directly from the Bible, they'll see that as an attack. So he followed that advice. But while he was there teaching, He told people, he's like, guys, this is just the surface level stuff. If you want to go deeper, come to our normal program. So people from the local mosque are actually coming to his class now and hearing the gospel for the first time. Yes. Amazing. Praise the Lord. And so in this week of Thanksgiving, Lord, in this week of Thanksgiving, I just want us to remember what the Lord is doing throughout the rest of the world. He is blessing people. He's blessing us. Look for those little things sometimes where we kind of forget like, oh yeah, God did do that. God did bring us out of Egypt, so to speak. Remember these moments, so let's pray. Lord Father, thank you so much for all that you are doing, um, both here in Manitou Springs, but just all over the world, Lord. Um, And Lord, we just wanna praise you for all the many, many ways that you just continue to move in our lives and in the lives of those seeking you. So Lord, we pray for your Holy Spirit, come pray for you to move. And we pray that we would have hearts that see it, recognize it, and praise you for it. In your name we pray. Amen.
1: Let's sing this again. So come on my soul. Oh don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song. Cause you've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Come on, my son.
0: can be released uh, to children's ministry Uh, take this time to turn and greet one another Uh, meet somebody that perhaps you haven't met yet and uh, in a few minutes we will hear the word
3: Hello, hello, my friends. So good to see y'all. Go ahead and take a seat. I mean, no hurry. You can do whatever you, you want, but <laughs> good to see y'all this morning. I hope y'all had a good Thanksgiving week, um, but I know that Thanksgiving, um, just the holidays in general can be difficult for people. So um, if you did not have a good week, I'm glad you are here and made it to church this morning. Um, As I think most of you know, Dr. Joe and Erica are in Minnesota with Erica's family for the week, so I have the privilege and the honor of being with y'all this morning. Um, We will be concluding our First Kings series, Um, so if you have been with us um, anywhere at New Life across all eight congregations, um, we've been in First Kings for about a couple of months now. So here at Manitou, this is the last of the First Kings series, and then we'll start Advent next week. But before we jump in, let's take a moment to pray, um, and then I will take us on a little journey. So God, thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you that here we are on this Sunday morning, um, and your presence is with us. Lord, I thank you for the joy in the room. God, I know that so many in this room and who are watching online need your peace and need the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So we say, Holy Spirit, come. Move on the hearts of your people in the way that only you can. Fill us with the strength that only you can fill us with. And as we receive your words, Holy Spirit, may you move in our hearts and transform our lives in Jesus name amen. amen amen well I think I know most of you in the room but if I haven't had the privilege of meeting you my name is Jordan Lewis and I am a pastor at New Life Friday night so I just took a little drive down the road to be with y'all on this Sunday morning which is great um and as I mentioned we'll be um ending our first king series uh this morning and first kings if y'all have been listening um to the sermons or have read through First Kings, it is a wild book. Anytime I read First Kings, I'm like, wait, what king did that? Who died? The fire came from where? Like, what is going on? First Kings is kind of intense. But when I think about kings and think about kingdoms, sometimes it feels a little bit archaic. Like, it's kind of like, this is America. We're, we have a democracy. We have a president. We have a Senate. We have a Congress. Like, what, what does Kings... Our kingdoms have to do with us today. Um, I think sometimes when I think of a kingdom, it's like relegated to the realm of fantasy, like Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones or some mystical somewhere else, you know, like a fantasy world that doesn't apply to us. But as I've been reading through 1 Kings and as I was praying about this sermon today, for me, I'm like, I think kings and kingdoms has more to do with our lives than we realize. I think. That it's not just a time away, you know, or a distant time or a distant land. I think that looking through 1 Kings gives us an opportunity to kind of expand and develop our imagination a little bit, to not only think of it as something that's away from us, but to really kind of say, okay, Lord, you put 1 Kings in the Bible, and also 2 Kings, if you're wondering if there's a sequel, there is. Um, <laughs> But what, what does that mean for us? What can we learn from the book of First Kings and not just say, theoretically, a king or a kingdom is something outside of us? What I have come to think is that the book of 1 Kings teaches us that God is ultimately our king and we get to be part of his kingdom. So actually, 1 Kings is not just a book that we have read through and now we can move on with our lives. I think it's an invitation for us to learn a couple of things about what does it mean for God to be our king and what does it mean for us to be part of his kingdom. And I think that's why it's relevant for us. But I'll put it even in language that we all understand. Jesus isn't just a king who has a kingdom. Jesus is our king and we are part of his kingdom. So as we close First Kings today... I want us to remember, okay, Jesus is our king, and we are part of his kingdom, and because that's true, what does that mean for us? And the question of a king and a kingdom is not anything new. It's an age-old question, where ultimately what we're really asking ourselves is, who are we devoted to, and who has our hearts? When we think about a king and a kingdom, we're thinking about who we're devoted to, and who has our hearts. In my family, if you were to call either one of my siblings right now, or if you were to go to my house or go to my parents' home in Arizona, all over the house, you would see a verse, which is Joshua 24 15. And it says, Choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So from the beginning of Israel's journey with God, that's the question. Choose for yourself who you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God was after Israel's heart. That's what the book of 1 Kings is about. God was after his Israel's heart. He wanted them to be his people. And God is after our hearts. And he wants us to be his people and belong to him. But if you've been listening to 1 Kings or have read through it, you know that Israel didn't really connect with God the way that God wanted them to. It didn't really work out for them that they stayed his people the way that he intended. But how did that happen? That things went sideways for Israel, even though God had the best intentions for them, even though he wanted to be their king. Things went sideways for Israel, things can go sideways for us as well. But let's see how Israel got a king in the first place. First Samuel eight four through seven. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, you are old, and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. So ultimately, Israel finds themselves in this tense situation in 1 Kings because they had rejected God as their king. The Israelites, as y'all will remember if you read through scripture or heard scripture, they were, they were slaves in Egypt. They were led through the wilderness by Moses. You know, God met them in a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, fed the manna in the wilderness. They had amazing experiences with the Lord. They were escorted into the promised land by Joshua. And even though God had saved them with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, they ultimately rejected the Lord as king. Israel was tired of failed priests who were supposed to be holy, but weren't. Samuel was a prophet, was their prophet. They loved him, but his sons weren't doing what Samuel was doing for the people. Judges had failed them. They had led them into peace. They had peace for 40 years in their land, right? But ultimately, the judge ended up dying. Then they needed a new judge. Think Gideon, think Samson. So the Israelites thought, you know what? God, you've led us through the wilderness, but this isn't working for us. We want something better. We want something different. So when Samuel was going to die, Israel said, Samuel, we don't want to keep doing this. Give us a king so we can be like the other nations around us. They thought being like the other nations around them would give them stability and that they wouldn't be disappointed. And how many times has that happened to us? We're tired of being disappointed in the Lord, where we say, you know what, God, I trusted you to start this business, but actually you haven't come through for me in the way that I wanted, so I'm going to go find a different job. Or God, I trusted you to save my marriage, but my husband or my wife is still mean to me or they're still treating me poorly. I'm going to cut this off and I'm going to go do something else fill in the blank for yourselves. We are, we are no different from the Israelites, where it's easy for us to be disappointed in what God is trying to provide for us. It's easy for us to kind of say, you know what? Give us a king. Give us something different so that we aren't going to continue in this in this cycle. So what happens? God gives Israel a king. He gives them what they asked for. So we have King Saul, right? And Saul started off great and then lost his mind. Then we have King David, who did better, was following in the ways of the Lord. Then we had Solomon, who built the temple and did this amazing work for the Lord, but ultimately ended up falling away. And the book of 1 Kings, over and over and over again, it's, there's a new king, but they don't follow the ways of the Lord, and the people end up hurt and destitute and disappointed. And that sounds like a bleak picture, but I promise, it's just a way for us to say, you know what, we may think that our way is best. We may think that, okay, if we have a king, our lives will work out well for us. But ultimately, what we're looking for is the Lord. And what Israel needed was God. Each king was supposed to lead them to the Lord. But ultimately, each king got caught up in their own power. And that's how the book of First Kings ends. The last three chapters, 20, 21, and 22, tell the story of King Ahab. Who was one of Israel's worst kings as far as idol worship, passivity, and abuse of his people? The last three chapters of the book of 1 Kings only continue to display how far Israel had come from what the Lord had promised and from what God wanted them to have. So in 1 Kings 20, I'll just give you a quick synopsis of each of the three chapters. In 1 Kings 20, King Ahab enters into a war with Syria. And historically, if you look at how God delivered his people, Israel, they had these victorious wins, right? Where it's like, we only had 8,000 people, but we killed 250,000 people because God was with us, or like these amazing, epic victories, right? But because King Ahab wasn't walking in the ways of the Lord, he does win the war with Syria, but it's to the loss and the detriment of his people. So he wins, but it wasn't a victorious win. That's 1 Kings 20. 1 Kings 21. Ahab continues to decimate the ancestral lands and has a reckoning with the Lord. As y'all know, if you've read through scripture, the Israelites were given the promised land and each tribe had an allotment of land that was given to them by the Lord. And their responsibility was to keep hold of the land through all their generations. So there was a man named Naboth who had a vineyard that was part of his promise and inheritance from the Lord next to um, King Ahab's palace. King Ahab wanted the vineyard because he's like, hey, I have some crops that I want to grow, and I don't want to have to go across the way, so let me just give me your land. I'll buy it from you for whatever you want. But Naboth revered the Lord and honored the promise that the Lord gave him and said, no, I won't sell it to you. So Ahab goes and tells his wife, Queen Jezebel, hey, Naboth wouldn't give me his vineyard. Jezebel has Naboth killed to get Ahab the vineyard, right? So it's he's not even honoring his own people. King Ahab isn't. He isn't honoring what the Lord has done for his people and just says, I'm just going to kill you so I can get what you have. That's 1 Kings 21. You see how bleak this has gotten for Israel. 1 Kings 22, it's the last chapter. Um, King Ahab is going to war um, and he's going along with another king, King Jehoshaphat. So they're about to go to war and Ahab doesn't care about God, doesn't honor the Lord, but King Jehoshaphat does. And so King Jehoshaphat says, well, before we just get ourselves into this situation, isn't there a prophet somewhere who can tell us what the word of the Lord is? So King Ahab says, there's one, Micaiah, but he never prophesies anything good about me. So they go, they go to Micaiah, and Micaiah, you know, just starts kind of messing with Ahab, you know, and he's like, the Lord's with you and it'll be great. And King Ahab is like, you never say anything good about me. Like what? Tell me the truth. And Micaiah ends up prophesying that King Ahab will, will die, will be killed in battle. So King Ahab tries to like disguise himself as a common person and tries to you know, do all these different things, but ultimately ends up dying a pretty disappointing death um, in battle just like Micaiah prophesied, right? So this is 1 Kings 20, 21, and 22. You think the book would end on a high note, but it doesn't. It ends on a very low note where King Ahab dies a, a disappointing death, and his son reigns in his place, but is doing all the same wicked things that his father, King Ahab, was doing. And you would think, okay, well, First Kings ends that way. What about 2 Kings? They're, it's it's the sequel, right? And usually the sequel isn't better than the first version, but this in this case, 2 Kings does have some good kings that are doing, you know, things that are right in the eyes of the Lord. But ultimately, it's the same kind of repeating story where it's in our own strength, in our own human strength, we cannot be our own kings. We cannot be in charge of our own kingdoms. We cannot take care of ourselves. So kingdoms are pretty bleak, right? Not exactly. If we leave it in human hands, right, we can't handle that type of power. We cannot figure it out for ourselves. But in God's hands, a kingdom becomes what it should be. And if you go to the New Testament, from the moment that Jesus enters into the scene, he talks about his kingdom and the way things are done. So let's look at Luke 21. Jesus says this to the Pharisees. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, for behold, The kingdom of God is in the midst of you. So already, a king and a kingdom are not something that are far off from the people. The kingdom, according to Jesus, is in the midst of us. Some versions of the Bible say the kingdom of God is within us. In Luke 22, verse 29, Jesus says, "'And I assign to you, as my Father assigned to me, a kingdom.'" So, a kingdom is in the midst of us, a kingdom is within us, but also a kingdom is a gift. It's given to us by Jesus and it was given to him by God. Paul gives us some more color about what this means for us Romans 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So, we go from the Old Testament where Israel said, Give us a king give us a king, they get a king, and king after king after king doesn't do what's right in the eyes of the Lord and really doesn't do right by the people. So it's why would God keep you know, pushing for a king and a kingdom? It's because he wants to be our king, and he wants us to be part of his kingdom. It's not something we're making for ourselves. And already we know, as Jesus is saying, hey, when we have a king and a kingdom according to what God has... We have something that we can carry in ourselves, and we have something that's righteous, that's peaceful, and that's full of joy. That's what God's kingdom is, and that's what we can have. So we don't have to be part of a bleak, man-made kingdom. We have been assigned God's kingdom. So no matter what type of democracy we live in now, we are still choosing who will be on the throne of our hearts. And not only does God want us to choose him, God is what's best for us. So I have a question for you, my friends. Will you choose God's kingdom? Will you choose God's kingdom? We get to choose who will be on the throne of our hearts. And God is inviting all of us today to choose him. Righteousness, peace, and joy can be in our midst. I don't know about y'all, but that's what I want. I want righteousness. I want peace. I want joy to be within me. And that's the type of kingdom I want to be a part of. Ahab didn't have the peace of God in the wars with Syria and Samaria in 1 Kings 20. He won, but it was a labored, difficult battle for him to win because he didn't have God's help. He didn't have God's righteousness when he wronged Naboth by inciting Jezebel to steal Naboth's vineyard and have him killed ultimately. That wasn't a righteous action that Ahab did, but I want to be righteous in my life. He didn't have the joy that comes with being favored by God, so that even the prophet of the Lord was against him. You know that you're really struggling with God when God's like, hey, I love you, you're my person, I care about you, but I can't prophesy anything good over you. I can't speak a good word over you until you align yourself with me. Ahab didn't have that joy that comes with being favored by God in 1 Kings 22. And ultimately he died in his cowardly deception but that doesn't have to be true for us. That doesn't have to be our story. How King Ahab was so far from God and couldn't be a righteous king and couldn't be part of God's kingdom, that doesn't have to be our story, which is ultimately first king serves as a warning to us to say, don't be separate from God, but choose choose the Lord. But what else is true about God's kingdom and what else is true about Jesus as the king? First Kings, Col- First Colossians gives us a beautiful promise. This is verse 12 through 14. And giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So we are invited into the kingdom of light and the kingdom of love. And that is what we get to choose. So we know that the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. We know that the kingdom is light. We know that the kingdom is love. And what else does the word have to say about this? I'm trying to convince y'all to join God's kingdom because I think it's awesome. A few more verses. God's kingdom is glorious. Psalm 145, 10 through 12 says this. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. God's kingdom is glorious, and that's what we get to be a part of. God's kingdom cannot be destroyed. My grandmother, my grandma Frances, my mom's mom, her favorite verse after Jesus wept was Daniel 2.44 which says this, and in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. So if you have things in your life that feel like they're being destroyed, you don't have to claim that as the only truth for yourself. You get to claim God's kingdom, which cannot be destroyed. God's kingdom is the place of healing. Luke 10, 19 says, Heal the sick who are there and tell them, The kingdom of God has come near you. So for those of you who are sick in your body or need healing in your minds or in your hearts, being a part of God's kingdom means that when God's kingdom comes near to you, there is healing that God has for you as part of his kingdom. God's kingdom is a place for everyone, no matter where you come from. James 2, 5 says, Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? So those who are poor in the world aren't poor in God's kingdom. We get to be rich in faith and get to be heirs to something greater than what we have on earth. God's kingdom is a place of good news. Luke four forty-three, Jesus says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. So God's kingdom has good news, and that's what Jesus comes to bring to us. The band can come back up as I close. Next week, uh, we are entering into Advent season, which is when Jesus, we're preparing for his coming. We are preparing to remember his birth and the good news of this king who comes to save us, who comes to heal us, who comes to restore us, that's what Jesus does. And Jesus is the king who will never disappoint us. Weeping does endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Jesus is the king who will never abuse us, and he is the king ultimately who will return. And here is the hope we have in the end. Revelation eleven fifteen says this. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever. That's what we have to look forward to. Where all of the things in our kingdom, all of the things that we have done that kind of feel like things are falling apart, those aren't the things that we have to accept. Ultimately, we get to receive a kingdom that comes from Jesus, and he, it's the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ Who will reign forever and ever amen our communion servers can come and communion is open to everyone if you love jesus um we would love to um take communion with you as a family um so y'all will come down the center aisles come around um and receive communion and then i will lead us
0: given us today. We ask that you would seal them in our hearts and minds today, that we can go forth and not just be hearers, not just be filled with good ideas, but filled with belief in your goodness, filled with action, Jesus. We thank you for your love poured out over us and for the birth of your son that we get to celebrate this coming month in your name, Jesus. Amen.
3: If y'all haven't already, go ahead and open your communion elements. As we receive the bread, which represents Jesus's body that was broken for us, we can take comfort in the fact that all of the brokenness of our kingdoms that we try to build with our own hands has been settled and solved and resolved because of what Jesus did for us and because of how he sacrificed for us. So as we receive the bread together, receive wholeness from the body of Jesus. And as we receive the cup, which represents Jesus' blood that was poured out for us, we don't have to do anything for ourselves because Jesus gave everything for us. So as we receive the cup, which represents the wine of the new covenant of Jesus' blood, we can receive peace and wholeness and joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. You may drink. God, we thank you that you are our king and we can take comfort and strength from being part of your kingdom. Lord, in all the ways that we feel disjointed in our lives, all the ways that we need um, your presence and your power, Lord, I ask that you would bless my friends and give them strength that comes from you. Lord, we repent of ways that we've tried to be our own kings and ways that we've tried to build our own kingdoms. And we receive you. We receive what you have for us. And we thank you, Lord, that you always come to rescue us and that you you give us a better kingdom, a better way than what we can do for ourselves. God, we receive you anew, and we receive you afresh in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. A few announcements for y'all before we skedaddle into the afternoon. Um, Sound Minds will be happening tomorrow, so look out for an email for those of you who are a part of that. Um, next week after the service, we will need help stapling um, some candy canes and some announcements um, for the christmas parade which will be happening on december 9th so if you haven't signed up yet for the christmas parade you can do so at the welcome table in the back tori standing back there to help you sign up and then the prayer team will be down here down front for those of you who need prayer i'll be around here if you want to chat um, and with that open your hands for a blessing Lord, thank you for my friends here. Lord, may you bless them and keep them, cause your face to shine upon them, lift them up by the light and the smile of your countenance and give them peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, my friends. See you all next week.